My partner is using sex to cope with his anxiety. How do we move forward? Welcome to the Real Talk Recovery Podcast with the Therapy Brothers. We're brothers, we're therapists, and we know recovery. Bring your stories, your questions, your successes with Real Recovery. Um, before we dive into this, we have a, a review from I am not Jake <laughs> from State Farm. <laughs> so I assume his name is Jake. Um, so Jake says, I'm a big supporter of this podcast and have shared this with family and friends. I enjoy learning about each topic that either I directly relate with or indirectly relate to. Thank you for sharing your talents and knowledge. Thank you, not All Jake right, from Jake. State Farm. We're not that. Jake. That was nice of you to, to reach out there. We always appreciate the feedback, of course. Yeah. So, Brandon, before we jump in, I wanted to just mention one thing. We've uh, we've we've had a lot of people start listening on Spotify, and just wanted all of our listeners to know that we've also gone with being able to post video to Spotify. So, I don't know what's appealing about being able to watch a couple guys behind microphones talk, but. Oh, you're good looking, Tyler. That's what's appealing. <laughs> I mean, come on. If it's not me. Wants, if anyone wants a video, you can go to Spotify to do your listening now. And there's there's video now as well. So um, <laughs> you, you've always been the better looking Patrick brother, Brandon. Oh, whatever. All right. Should we introduce our caller? We've got Rachel today. Rachel's been brave enough to come on and share a question that I think is actually pretty common and a lot of people actually deal with. Um, but uh, Rachel, welcome to the show. Uh, why don't you just uh, introduce yourself, give us any backstory, and then ask your question, and we'll just have a discussion. All right. Um, thank you. Um, yes, um, I guess my question is that I, my husband is using sex as a coping mechanism, and he's like, he was, he has a lot of anxiety, and he's been using sex to cope with it and he's asking me to do things that i just i truly don't feel comfortable doing and it's been going on for a couple years and it's now it's just getting to the point that it's you know it's affecting our everyday life and a lot of mean verbal things have been said and done and it's and i just something needs to be done Hmm. When you say he's using sex as a coping mechanism, um, what do, what do you mean by that? Um, he had he was sick about two years ago, and he nearly died. And he's he's using sex as a way to overcome his anxiety and just his near death experience. And he said it's it will relieve his sense of despair. Is hmm. actually what he said. Now, is he using sex? Is it is it with you? And he's pushing you to do things that you don't want to. Is he using sex otherwise? Is he acting out with other no. people or with pornography? Yeah, or probably some porn. But he's asking me to do things that 
I don't feel comfortable doing. And I always okay. have done it up to the point that I feel comfortable, mm -hmm. but that's not good enough. And he's pushing mm -hmm. for me to go further. What, what happens, mm -hmm. Rachel, when that push happens? And are you saying no then and just saying I'm not comfortable? Um, I do say no, and then we fight, and and it just escalates from there, and it just and and he just fixates fixates on it. Mm -hmm. What does the? And, I just want to oh, know go ahead, just Tyler. a little bit. What what does the fight look like? Like what happens after you say no? You said we fight. Does he get defensive? Does he start calling names? Does does it get aggressive? Does it? Um, all of the above defensive he calls me names um does he shut down and pout um he also well he also uses drinking as a mechanism as oh. well um he does pout a little bit and just demands he's he's like he's not he's not he says he's not going to take a no for an answer okay oh. So then when the no, when the answer stays no, does it just continue to be a fight or do you f go into like icy coldness and not talk to each other? Or? Um, well, he, we, he threatens divorce. Hmm. I, I imagine, Rachel, sometimes, you know, depending on how um, what it is and how uncomfortable you are, sometimes you probably just give in just because it's like, I don't want to deal with the, the fallout of this. Um, and it's easier to just kind of get it over with. It, th does that happen? Um, a little bit. I have never done anything that I truly felt uncomfortable doing. Um, Good. So. Yeah. And but it's um, and, and it just escalates from there. And just he doesn't listen. So you say you you say that it's increasing. So it's kind of it's you know pushing limits further and further. Um, and, and, and has that happened just in the last little while or has it, has it been kind of a gradual thing? Um, it's, well, it started two years ago and, um, and I, one time when, once we did have a fight about it and I told him that I was worried that if I give in at all, or even up to the point that do what I feel accountable with, he's going to keep asking for more. And he said, and he actually, surprisingly, he said, yes, that's probably true. Oh, so. wow. And, and do you feel like there's no end to it? There's no, absolutely. So. Yeah. Yeah. So Rachel, I'm wondering, how are you coping right now with all of this right now? In the last two years, um, you've been dealing with this. How do you currently cope? Um, right now, not very well. Mm -hmm. Is are you? Is it just kind of shutting you down? Yes. Are you feeling hopeless and depressed? Um, a little bit. But I, cause I also was just, I was just in a car accident and I can't, I can't really drive. Oh my gosh. So. Yeah. Feeling 
So you're dealing with some of your own physical injuries and pain. Yes. Okay. There's a lot here, Rachel. There's, there's definitely some things here. The first thing that, that I want to make sure it gets said is that the fact that you're here talking about this is amazing work on your part. And the fact that you're sticking to your values and that you're not engaging in things that don't feel okay to you is, is actually in a lot of ways, superhuman. Um, especially when you're feeling trapped in your marriage and you're feeling afraid of losing a marriage, but you also are trying to figure out how to maintain your self-respect. Um, as difficult as it is, kudos to you for keeping your values intact. Thank you. So let's get to your question a little bit. Uh, the question now really is, is, what do I do? How do I navigate this? Because, because really what we're hearing you describe and, and we're going off of just this little five minute conversation, what we're hearing you describe is, is that you've got a partner who is in essence using you as really as an object of consumption to try to cope with whatever his pain is, whatever his, yeah, a drug. You're, you're, but you're basic, you're basically the anti-anxiety medicine or the, or the PTSD medicine or whatever it is that he would be taking you, you and alcohol. And, and he's coming to you and still demanding that you be that medicine or else he's leaving. And, um, it, nobody likes to be the medicine inside of a relationship. We want to be treated as an equal partner and be valued as a person instead of, instead of as an object. Yeah. Tyler, just as you're describing that to Rachel, my skin is crawling. Um, because it's uncomfortable because it's, I mean, it's objectification to the max. Right. And so Rachel, as much as you, you know, you might have some love in your relationship and these, these things like th this is so far from that. Um, it's, you know, healthy sex between a couple is about connection and selflessness and what I'm hearing is complete selfishness in your relationship. And of course, you're getting to your breaking point to the point where it's like, I'll go talk to these guys on this podcast because I am so done. I need some answers, you know? Um, and so I just first want to really validate your feelings um, and, and you know this, but I just want to say it, you are not crazy for feeling what you're feeling. Um, you are, it is okay that you're feeling sad, frustrated, lonely, resentful, maybe even angry at him. If you're feeling any of those things, good, because those things are protecting you and saying, this is not okay. This is not cool. Um, so if he's, he's at all kind of insinuated to you that you're the crazy one, you're the bad one, you're the one that doesn't get, you know, give it up enough and all these things, that's a bunch of BS. Um, so let's just start there, okay? Um, how, how do you feel when I say that? Do you know that? I feel it feels better. Yeah. I feel like someone is mm -hmm. listening. I think Brandon's kind of pointing something out here that that's one of the places where you might 
you might be looking at starting as you try to navigate this is that you're going to need a trusted team that can provide a couple of things for you. One that's going to provide you with some validation so that you can know that you're not crazy and can say, okay, let's talk about what good health versus non-health in, inside of a sexual relationship should be. And you're going to need some other landing space as you continue to move forward and try to navigate this, where you can continually go back and say, Hey, help me remind myself of if I'm in the right place and if I'm going on the right path here in terms of my values and what I'm feeling and that validation that, that you just heard from Brandon felt good because it validated what you already kind of know is true, which is that this, this, this isn't a good long-term solution for you guys' relationship. And if it's, if it's going to be the solution for you guys' relationship, then what you're doing is dying a long, slow death of a relationship instead of cultivating something different that could actually be healthy and better. Um, in addition to that, you know, Rachel, I'm, I'm wondering if, well, I guess maybe I should back up. Do you have other people on your team right now, Rachel, that you can trust and that you can talk to about some of these things? Um, yes. Yeah, two of my family members know everything. Okay. Are they the kind of people who can sort of balance being able to show empathy and validation um, while also giving perspective? One of them uh -huh. is. <laughs> yes. Okay. It's important. It's important that your team members can do both of those things because you could go to like, a lot of times you could go to like, say a best friend and then they would just get totally on your side and then want to like just feed all of the fear that you're having and everything else too, but not actually help you move forward. So you want someone who can balance both of those things. Tyler, I want to, I want to ask you and Rachel, I want to kind of, I want you to listen to this conversation just for a second. Okay. Um, so Tyler, um, you have yep. four daughters and they're growing up crazy that, uh, you know, your oldest is in college <laughs> yeah. now. Um, so you're going to, you're, you're probably going to have four son-in-laws, right? And let's say one or two of them come to you. Um, and, and they, they basically say, look, like I use your daughter for, for sex and if she doesn't give it to me, it pisses me off and, uh, she better because that's her duty. Um, we're in a marriage and, uh, if she doesn't give it to me, then, I, I basically verbally and emotionally abuse her until she gives it up. Um, that's what I do because I'm entitled to that because I have this anxiety and I need it. <laughs> so are you asking me what I would do, what I would say? I'm asking you your feelings right now as I'm kind of saying this. All right. So, yeah. So there's the, there's the, there's the real version, which would be that I'd want to knock his teeth through his head and then. Okay. So, but, but hang on. I want to stop there for just a sec. Um, Rachel, I want you to hear that. Okay. We're, we're two men, me and Tyler. We enjoy sex. I love me having I sex love with my wife. Sex is a great thing. All that thing. And this is not, not Okay. okay. So, so the real right. way that I would probably handle it, Brandon, is that I would actually, hopefully that if he was there talking to me, at least that's a good sign. I'd try to, I'd try to actually do, 
Right. He, he would, yeah. he probably he would never come there. This. But he, hey, I love to lose your daughter. And when she doesn't perform, then I abuse her till she does. And then I threaten to leave if she doesn't stay. Um, and it's really healthy because that's my, that's my right as a husband. I would say, okay, son, let's, uh, yeah. let's go for a drive up the Canyon and let's go have a long Let, talk. Let's go yeah, out back. Let's, <laughs> let's go have a long talk and let's go, let's go learn something about what actual like masculinity is. And let's go learn about what being, what being a, man a man actually is. means when you step into like wanting to love your wife. That's what I, that's what I hear is missing yeah. here. And I don't know that your husband understands it yet because he probably sees love in limited terms. He sees love in terms of what he can take from you in the relationship and in what he can get to complete himself or to feel himself and love that way doesn't work in relationships. Love that way is, is something that's going to drive a wedge between people. And even if they stay together the rest of their lives, they're never actually going to have a feeling of safety and security and, and commitment. That's, that's not, not love. love. Love, love is the ability to show up and say, what am I bringing to the table to offer my partner? Like how, how do I make sure that I'm, that I'm invested in their well being because they matter to me. And, and you're not getting that right now, at least in the sexual part of your relationship right now. Rachel, is sex more important for him than you? Yes, it is. Yeah. Right. So, so I think, I think you're kind of missing my question here because right. it, notice how you're like, yes, it is. He, right. Sex is important to him. Right. You, what I'm saying is you are a sexual being just like he is. And your sexuality and the way, the way that plays out in a relationship is just as important as his sexuality. He does not own that. Um, he's not entitled to have it just his way. Um, it's, it's, it's really curious to me that you're bringing up the drinking. And you're also talking about how since he got sick in the last two years, um, the increase in his behavior. So what I'm looking at is there, there's tolerance that's built up. So he's pushing limits for the same dopamine hit. Um, do you understand what I mean by that? Yes, I do. Um, and so he needs you to go further and, and, and in, in order to get the same rush and the same feeling that he's addicted to. Um, and so the, the interesting part of the drinking is I can't cope with life. Um, I can't cope with my pain. I can't cope with the despair that I felt since I've gotten sick. So what I do is I, I numb it out. So he's, he's a junkie. He's a junkie who's looking for a numb out and he's using whatever he can to, to get it. So if you don't give him sex, then he goes and finds it somewhere else. So I, I have a huge concern, Rachel, and, and this is what it is, is my concern is if you go to a sex therapist or if you make this about you giving him more sex or changing who you are sexually or you're actually going further into this horrific dynamic with him. And unless, unless the addiction, unless that wedge is dealt with, then healthy sexuality and intimacy and connection and all that stuff will not happen. And so the addiction first and foremost, whether it's the alcohol, whether it's the sex addiction, that on his part with his individual recovery, that needs to start to happen in order for your relationship to stand a chance. Does that make sense? It does. Okay. So Brandon, let's, uh, let's help her then for a second. Um, 
she sees this. She sees everything that you're saying. And, and he doesn't like, he's like, Nope, she's the answer. Like I got to have sex or we're going to get divorced. If she just give it to me more than we'd be. So what does Rachel do in a situation like this? What does what does anybody in a situation like Rachel do where they see the issue and, and their partner's even saying, yeah, let's go to sex therapy. Let's go find a therapist who will tell you that you need to have more and, and different and kinkier sex in order to make sure that we have a great sex life. Um, but you know that this thing is here. What's so, what are the first things that someone could do? Like, how do you handle that situation to try to help things go right for yourself and for the, even for the, excuse me, the relationship. Right. So I'm, I'm going to kind of ask Rachel this to answer your question, Tyler. Do you feel, Rachel, that there's a conflict between your truths and your values and your boundaries and trying to keep the relationship intact? Do you understand what I'm asking? Um, if I were to get totally honest with him and really, like, really truly hold firm to my boundaries, it would probably end this relationship. Is that, do you feel that way? Yes, because he's, he's already has said that numerous times because, because I've, uh, I've done up to the point that I feel comfortable and it's not good enough. Okay. So, so Rachel, here's the thing. He will try to say, what's wrong with you? You're the problem. If you would fix yourself, we would be okay. Right. Right. And, 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 and so here's the first step is to not, not fall into that gaslighting and believe it. And then the next step and to answer your question, Tyler, is for you to squarely look at the fear of, of divorce in the eye and turn and face that fear. Um, so that you can continue to show up empowered and, um, protective of your truths and, and your important values and boundaries in the relationship. That's more important. This will kill you, Rachel. It will drag you down to, to feeling despair and depression. And if you allow yourself to just try to appease his addictions and save the relationship. So it's, it's way more important that you, you look at that fear and you say, we could get divorced. Um, that's, that's real. And you know what, if my stepping into truth is the thing that gets us divorced, it's still the right thing to do. Does that, does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, Brandon, I just want to make sure that I maybe rephrase that for some of the people listening. In essence, what you're saying is, is that the fear of getting divorced is keeping Rachel from being able to do whatever she needs to, to have a voice or to set boundaries in the relationship. And at a certain point, maybe the best effort that she could put in right now is to take a look at what does it actually look like if I were to have to be divorced? Not, not in order to make the decision to be divorced, but to confront the fear of that. Yeah. And, and there's going to be pain either way. There's going to be pain of losing more and more of yourself and feeling more and more snowed under and feeling more and more trapped over the long haul. Or there's going to be the pain of having to to face the fear of what divorce actually looks and feels like for a minute. And once you've gone through the fear of that, it gives you power to choose that you otherwise don't feel like you have right now. Yep. 
Tyler, you said something in an episode a couple weeks ago that was, I think, pretty awesome. And well, Rachel, this is this is what he said. He, he said a healthy boundary is not a wall, um, and it's not something that destroys a relationship. A healthy boundary is an invitation. And so when you when you show up authentic, Rachel, and you face the fear, like Tyler just said, you're inviting your husband to love you, like to actually love you. And and I think this is this is the dilemma with for spouses of addicts is it feels like he loves his addictions more than he does me, and he'll probably choose those things over me, and I'll feel rejection and all this pain. But if you if you don't have those boundaries, you don't invite him to actually love you. Um, and then you sacrifice yourself and, and you don't love you when, when you do, do those things. Um, so to, to me, there's one way forward and that way forward might lead to consequences that are, are hard and difficult and painful, but but things that will set you free from feeling stuck like you are right now. Does, does that make sense? Absolutely. It's also, Brandon, the hopeful way forward, even for the relationship. The relationship yes. as it is right now is not good. It's, it's, it's a dying thing right now. So there's going to have mm -hmm. to be some type of a change. And sometimes when you have to go and prune the tree to make it grow differently, there's pain involved, but but if I hope to have the relationship move forward the way that it can and be sustainable and healthy, there is going to have to be some change there. And so when I, when I go and step into that place of learning how to set my boundaries and getting my strength back and like seeing, confronting my fears, what I'm really doing is I'm, I'm inviting my partner who I love to decide to look at some things differently and maybe make some changes. And if they do, that's really hopeful. Um, if they don't, you still keep hope because you get to continue to keep your self-respect intact and your integrity intact, and you can still move forward and have a hopeful, happy life. Um, but you're inviting your partner to come along. You're not there slapping it down. You're you're there actually offering a new invitation. Uh, I, I want to back up a little bit because I think what Brandon said is is 100% true. It's but there's some things that probably need to happen to help confront that fear. Um, like we could talk about it right now and then you can hang up the call and be like, okay, well, I guess I got to look at divorce. Well, how am I actually going to do that? There's, there's some little smaller things that I think will help in that process. And they're little, they're little things that we teach all the time, but they're vitally important. It's, it's like, Rachel, I don't know how you do it, taking care of yourself on a daily basis, but are you engaged in regular acts of self-care where you can be grounded, where you can value yourself, where you can show that you were taking care of? Do you have a team that you can bounce these things off of? Like we mentioned earlier, you know, are you practicing self-compassion? You know, Hey, before you move on, Tyler, mm -hmm. I, I, I want you to keep going down this list. Okay. Um, but Rachel, have you been to Al-Anon? Have you been to any meetings, support groups? No, I have not. It's, it's time for you to go. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, I would, I would, you know, there's Essanon, um, that's for spouses of sex addicts. There's Al-Anon. Either one. It doesn't matter. Um, it's time for you to go and talk to other. And, and your, your situation will be unique. Um, all, everybody's situation is a little unique. But those partners will get 
the crazy making and gaslighting and those type of things. And they'll, they'll say, okay, stop, Rachel. Like we're like, let's look at the whole thing here of what's going on. So that's why Tyler's saying like driving this home of like, get, get some recut. We call it recovery capital, get some assets in your corner so that you can, you can deal with this, this hard, this hard thing that you're going to have to step through. So, okay, Tyler, keep no, going. You're good. That's, that's excellent. Brennan. I was just maybe add to that, you know, those ones are going to be your free, like support options. You might also even look into either something locally or something online, joining a, a women's group to help navigate some of these issues that you're facing right now, because then you're going to get the expertise of a therapist and a group of other women who are going to understand those principles who could be really beneficial to you as well. So um, that would be really powerful, actually. Um, Tyler, I feel compelled to say, like, Rachel, I, I, I just hope that you know that Tyler and I have resources. You, you could use a good therapist who specializes in betrayal trauma um, or, and, and understands sex addiction and, and a group that also does. So both Tyler and I have those resources available. You, you, there's no reason why you can't engage. Um, Tyler could probably get you in with a therapist. How soon Tyler? Within in a, a week, week, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Same with you, Brandon. So, and, and that's just online yeah. stuff, but you probably have local people too, that would also be good. You just want to make sure that they specialize in betrayal trauma. Um, and that they have, yeah. and, and I would suggest that, you know, that they have a group a group program as well for betrayal trauma. But um, in addition to that, I was just mentioning that the inside, the inner workings have to be taken care of in order to confront those fears. You know, we don't want to send you into the cave to slay the dragon without your sword and your shield and everything else. And, and so what, what you do is you tool those things up from the inside out where you are practicing self-compassion, where you are doing what we call your dailies, which is you're engaging in the cultivation of your heart and your spirit every single day in order to know who you are and have a better, you know, have a, have a good experience with your better self every day. You're building your team. You're practicing mindfulness. It, when you're doing those things, those things are going to allow you to then look into that cave and go, okay, it's time to go in there and take a look at this. Because I know, because I know I can take care of myself, number one, and because I know that the life that I want to live is on the other side of that somewhere. It's not right now, right where I'm living. And so I'm ready to step into that and go find that life that I, that I deserve, that I want to be living. So Rachel, I want to ask you, um, and I, I just totally, what Tyler's saying is, is like the underworkings to actually go do this work. Um, but I want to ask you, let's say you say, okay, I'm going to like start to do this. So you, you and your husband, you, you, you talk your husband into go to couples counseling. You go to some couples counseling sessions and that therapist is, is kind of weak um, and not, not well-trained and just, just kind of weak. Um, what could happen in that session? Um, um, they would just tell me that I need to, I should comply to, to, um, his needs. Right. So if you're there in a session with a, I got the air quotes going with a professional, 
who's saying to you, like, you're the problem. You, you should be more sexual. You should be um, a better wife. Um, and he's, he's working his magic. Like he's kind of playing the victim a little bit and just throwing out how, you know, how unloving and unkind and uncaring you are. Um, you get that from, from a, a professional and he hears that and you hear that from that professional, what position does that put you in? I guess it would just make me uh, not not the victim, but just a object. And like yeah. like in, how in the beginning you said that I would be his medicine. Yeah, and it would drive that whole thing home, right? And and I'm I'm here to tell you, like, if you went to the wrong therapist, an addict could railroad that therapist and and totally reinforce all of the narratives that the addiction wants, right? And this is what we call therapy-induced trauma. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because I want you to hear right here and right now with me and Tyler and not forget this, that, that um, the, what needs to be worked on is the addiction. And so you and your sexuality right now is not the problem, okay? And even if you hear it from a therapist, go to a different therapist who understands addiction um, so that you can get the right help, okay? Um, because I think a really good therapist can be and will be critical for you, Rachel, but it has to be the right person. Tyler, do you want to add anything to that? Nope, it's okay to shop around. You know, you want to, once you find a good therapist with similar principles, with a similar approach, with with a personality that you feel like you can connect with, then you stick with them. But if you need to check a few others before you find that one, it's worth it. And the last thing you want is to walk out of your first session feeling like in, in your situation, I think for both Brandon and I, it's pretty crystal clear after talking even for 30 minutes, that this is a place where you would benefit by having a good therapist who understands both addiction and betrayal trauma, because they're going to help both of you start to unpack that. There's going to be chipping away on the denial on his side a little bit. And there's going to be, there's going to be some support and structure on your side, but there's also going to be the ability to see hope. And, but uh, Tyler, chances are, I think chances are that if I, if, if they came in to me, I would do my best to build rapport with him, oh, to course. try to get his trust, to chip away at that denial. And he very well might hate me. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, first, se right? first session, he might not hate you because you're going to do your best to be kind to him and, and understand. <laughs> right. But it's going to be about three or four sessions in when your door gets slammed, when he understands that he's got some changes to make. So. Right. And so I just want, I want Rachel, I want you to understand that is a really good therapist. He might really not like, um, and, and so, and, and, and this is where that the therapist is going to back you up in your boundaries. And so, and, and in, invite him into figuring out how to build trust with you and love you again. Um, and so if the therapist is holding that line, um, he might just really push away from that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so for you to be able to stand in that place of, I really, this, what the therapist is saying is true. I feel that. 
I got to stay with this, even though it's causing all kinds of chaos and conflict. Yeah. And my experience, Brandon, is that most guys that even get defensive over that stuff, they like to hear the truth too. They don't, they don't respond most. like they like it. They still get defensive. They still get upset. They might slam the door on the way out. But when they come back a week later, they kind of go, I'm glad someone finally spoke the truth to me. Most, but not all. Not all. Like I've had, I've had the door slammed in my face and usually they come back the next week. They're like, that was the best session ever. <laughs> like, man, I'm finally starting to see some things, you know, like I appreciate yeah. that you actually are willing to shoot straight with me. Yeah. You know, most do that, but not all. Sometimes, you know, I'll get a one-star review on Google because it's like, well, that jerk, you know, just, and it's like, well, yeah. Yeah. So so anyways, Rachel, how are you feeling as we're kind of just, just talking here? Oh, um, better, a little overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. I think we have a long process to go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you wouldn't mind, Rachel, I would, uh, after we hang up here, I just, maybe I'll have one of my staff just reach out with a couple of resources for you to take a look at. Okay. Okay. That'd be great. Um, so we'll just make sure that we got you at least a few first steps of direction. Um, and, and then as you kind of decide where you want to go and what you want to do with things, by all means, you've, you've found our contact and we'd love to stay in contact with you and make sure you get what you need. Okay. Okay. All right. Rachel, you, it's, it's interesting because I can tell that you know that you're not an object. Like, you know that. Um, I can tell that you're strong and you're willing to have boundaries. Um, yet, yet I can also feel your sadness that you've been treated like that. Right. And I just want you to know whether you stay married or whether you end up divorced, that you don't have to live in this hell. Um, that you, that, that yes, there's a lot of work to go, but you can find some peace and some freedom and not feel this pressure all the time. Right. Um, so I'm just really grateful that you came on. You had the courage to talk about this. Um, any last questions for us? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. You're awesome, Rachel. Thank you. We'll be in, we'll be in touch. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you.